podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello guys, it's Ollie here and welcome back to the NUFC blogcast. It's just me on today's episode, but our host Ed will be back alongside me for our next recording at the start of next week. So yeah, it wasn't meant to be for Newcastle and Dortmund where we fell short in a few areas really. Um, A bad night, but it's not over just yet. So I'll look back at the game, what it means for the group moving forward and also preview Saturday night's Premier League trip to Bournemouth, sharing some injury news and my predicted lineup ahead of that game. So back-to-back defeats for Newcastle in the Champions League against Borussia Dortmund. And yeah, a disappointing night really, not just obviously with the result, but I think fans just knew and the players and, and Eddie Howe knew that we were better than that. We can as we proved against PSG, we're capable of going toe-to-toe with these teams, we're capable of causing problems, scoring goals and also defending better. I think it's fair to say both Dortmund goals were avoidable. The first one, Charles sucked out of the defence. There's a few loose balls we don't quite deal with, which was a pattern of the first half. I thought they won a lot of 50-50s and then Lewis Hall doesn't quite react. He lets the ball go across him and Sabitzer crosses and Fulcrum taps in. So the first, the first goal avoidable and the second goal obviously comes from a a Kieran Trippier set piece which hits the first man and then before you know it they're away on the counter attack and they score and it's 2-0 and it's game over so so yeah both goals avoidable I think we didn't really settle in the first half um, weren't really showing enough quality or composure in possession I think as Borussia Dortmund did in the in the home game at St James's Park I thought they got beyond our midfield a little bit too easily the likes of uh, Julian Brandt and Felix Nemeca they were causing problems in different picking up different pockets and like I say, breaking beyond our midfield. And on the other end of the, the scale, they didn't really let us beyond their midfield. I think the likes of Joe Linton and, and Joe Willock really thrive when they get space beyond it in opposition's midfield and they can really drive at the defence, as both did at Man United last week in that 3-0 win. But they didn't really get the space to do that. And we were struggling to find them. And even when we did get into the final third, that final ball was missing. Um, a few Neely moments. I mean, the obvious one, Joe Linton's header in the second half from that brilliant Livermento cross. He, he has to score, really. Just what five six yards out, he's made the gr- a great run and he's he's come onto it perfectly, but he's he's headed it wide and that really felt like a huge moment where you were sat wondering like is that going to be the moment we live to regret and and ultimately we did, but there wasn't just that moment. I suppose Joe Litton had another half chance with his header in the first half when Jamal Lascelles heads it down just before the break and Joe Litton gets his header on goal, but it's a little bit weak and another big moment for me in the first half was Trippier short corner to Lewis Hall. Back heel back to Trippier and, and that cross just comes a bit short and just passes him but Wilson and if he finds Wilson he taps it in and it's suddenly one all. I think it was would it have been one all at that point, I think so. Um but either way, these are moments where um it's fine margins, but I guess the game was decided on those. And I think it's fair to say Borussia Dortmund were decent value for the win. I thought, like I said, the better team in the first half. And in the second half, yes, their goal was a bit of a sucker punch when we were just starting to settle into the game and look a bit more like our normal selves but I think Dortmund defended well they generally dealt with the threats that we posed we didn't they didn't really let us have much space um they like I say that I think they across both games have got the better of us then and maybe experience is told a little bit and the quality they've got as well um I know they were beaten 4-0 against Bayern Munich at the weekend and obviously coupled with that we beat Arsenal but maybe that win over Arsenal the effort we put into that left us a little bit fatigued going into this game. Um, 
on the flip side, I think Dortmund made quite a few early subs against Munich because they knew the game was over on Saturday night, whereas we had to push until the sort of 95th minute against Arsenal. So, so yeah, I think taught of a bit of a bit of a lesson. It's a learning curve for us. Obviously, we're ahead of schedule in many ways in terms of being in the Champions League this early. Um, not that it's over yet. We're still we're still in there. We're still competing. Um, but yeah, p- perhaps the hectic schedule, the fatigues catching up with us. Obviously, we know about the injury situation and the suspensions and, and how limited the squad is at the minute. I think there was only, I think, outfield players. I think there was only 13 outfield players who actually made the trip to to Dortmund or who were at least available. Obviously, we've got so many injuries there. We've got, went into that game without Sven Botman. Um, Dan Byrne at left-back wasn't able to play. Matt Target wasn't available. Sandro Tonali suspended. Elliot Anderson with a back injury. Um, Dortmund, um, not Dortmund, Anthony Gordon and, and Almiron, two players who we expected to start on the bench, probably because they've emptied the tank against Arsenal on Saturday. Um, on top of that, you've got Harvey Barnes, our second most expensive summer signing out until potentially the new year, and Isaac, um, who not only went off early in the home leg against Dortmund, was ruled out of this one because he's still recovering from a groin injury. So if you mix the injuries with the suspensions, with the hectic schedule, with the huge effort we put in against Man United and Arsenal over the past week, it's almost like this game came a little bit too soon for us. So, um, yeah, I think, unfortunately, injuries, suspension, the hectic schedule has caught up with us a little bit. But then also, Dortmund have done a bit of a job on us, and I think that's that's also fair to say. Um, maybe experience told as well. I mean, this didn't impact us against, against PSG, where we blew them away 4-1, obviously, but maybe the lack of experience within the Newcastle squad from a Champions League perspective also showed there we were in a hostile atmosphere in Dortmund, like the yellow wall, the 24,000 stand, which and I think speaking to a few people who went to the game on Tuesday night, the atmosphere from a Dortmund perspective is really impressive and they really do drown out the noise from the away end. And looking at our team, we only had four players in it who started in Dortmund who, who've played in the Champions League before this season. So, Kieran Trippier, obviously, with with the likes of Spurs and Atletico Madrid, Fabian Shaw before this season, it was I think it was eight years ago he he'd last played in it, and that was with with Swiss team Ball. Joe Linton's played a couple of times for Hoffenheim, and then Bruno's played a couple of times for Lyon. So there isn't much Champions League experience there, but again, that shouldn't take away from Dortmund, who I thought was solid, gave us very little space to work in, broke beyond our midfield, and like I said, I think they were quite similar games, the the home game and the away game. In the home game, I'd say they were the better team in the first half, um, created a couple of chances. Like I say, getting beyond our midfield, causing problems, which they did in Dortmund. Um, they took and lead. We then missed some chances. And again, we did it in the first leg. Wilson hit the bar. Gordon hit the bar. Fine margins. And the same was could be said on Tuesday night, where obviously Joe Linton's got that, that huge chance from the header. And he fires it wide. Um, but yeah, I think another point to make as well, sometimes you're only as good as your opposition to let you be. I think we've we've had examples of that when it's when the show's been on the other foot where we haven't let teams play. When teams have come to St James's Park, our intensity's been there. Defensively we've been superb. Everyone's working for the team. The atmosphere adds to that and you get a real feeling of if sort of um everything's on your side and you create a bit of a lion's den atmosphere. And I think Dortmund kinda did did what we've done to many teams last night. Well, Tuesday night, so Obviously, we, we have seen many times at St. James's Park good teams come and just not be able to play. We haven't let them. Our intensity's been there. Our organisation's been there. And I think Dortmund did that to us last night. So I think they've played us really well in both legs. Um, but yeah, it's also fair to say we didn't turn up. It's not just on. It's not just the fact that Dortmund have played well. I think we 
like I say, whether it's whether it's um, a lack of experience, whether it's injuries, whether it's suspensions, or the hectic schedule, or just the fact it wasn't our night in both legs. I think it's a combination of all those things. So, so yeah, I think we didn't do ourselves justice really in either game, which is disappointing, and and it has obviously other factors have made things tough, but. But yeah, we've got to deal with it, take it on the chin, and we've still got a chance to qualify. I think that's the thing. It is obviously a massive disappointment there that we've lost back-to-back games against Dortmund after getting a great point against Milan and then hammering PSG 4-1. So it's a it's a bit of a killer blow after a really good start to the group, but we are still in it. So Group F obviously was called the Group of Death, and it's kind of proved to be that. So the, the latest standings going into the, the final two match weeks. So Dortmund are currently top. Four games played, seven points. PSG are second on six points. Milan, who beat PSG in the 8pm kickoff and the later kickoff on Tuesday night, they're third on five points. And we're currently now bottom of the group on four points. So, essentially, looking at what needs to happen for us to qualify. So, just double-checking the things here. Yeah, so, if we beat... Our two remaining games, PSG away and Milan at home. If we beat PSG which is going to be a tough ask, obviously, even though we've beaten them before. If we go to PSG and win, and we beat Milan at St. James's Park in our final game, we will qualify for the, the last 16, no matter what happens elsewhere. Obviously, that's a huge task. But um, but yeah, if we can go to PSG and shock them and, and do something similar to what we did at St. James's Park in the, in the first game, then, then it'll be in our hands against Milan in the final game. If we beat PSG and draw against Milan, which would take us to eight points we'd need Dortmund to avoid defeat in their remaining two games. Um, so that's the other permutation. If we drew against PSG and then beat Milan, Milan could not finish above us, so we'd at least secure European football. So that's if we drew against PSG and beat Milan. So it just shows there that this is just the start of this point, but if we if we can get a point in, in Paris and then beat Milan, we'll at least guarantee Europa League football. But if, the, if that happens, a point in, in, in Paris and beating Milan, Dortmund would only need a point to finish above Newcastle, while PSG would need to beat Dortmund in their final game to finish above us and qualify. So I know this is a lot to take in. But essentially, yeah, it's, it's still we've still got the chance to do it. It's in our hands if we win both games, but we have to rely on other teams if we get a draw and a win in our final two games. Um, looking, at, looking at the bookies' odds, we're now classed as the, the team least likely to qualify. And PSG and Dortmund are the other teams who are backed back to qualify there. So, yeah, it's a, it, it, the odds are against us now. But sometimes Newcastle never do it the easy way. We've known that over the years. And let's face it, it was never going to be easy. This is a really tough group. We're in a really tough situation with the injuries, the schedule, the suspensions. Um, and we're still learning. Eddie Howe's still learning. This is his first time in the Champions League. So many players in the team. I mean, just look at the, the team we put out there. Livermento making his Premier, uh, his Premier League, his Champions League debut. Lewis Hall starting in the Champions League, but playing in the Champions League for the first time. And even Lewis Miley, I mean, yes, he came on at the end, but he was the youngest player to ever represent Newcastle in the Champions League at 17. And I think there's a positive to take there. He came on and looked comfortable. So, so yeah, this is a this is a team still learning and still growing. And obviously the Champions League, it's it, it's the, the pinnacle of, of football, isn't it? This is where... This is where it's you're really in amongst the, the big boys here. And now a group, like I say, with PSG, Milan and Dortmund, it was never going to be easy. Not just for the quality of teams we're playing, but the atmospheres we're going into. So, But yeah, positives to take. Obviously, I've mentioned their Champions League debuts for Livermento Hall, uh, Lewis Miley. But I think Livermento, and it really deserves it deserves a mention. I thought from to play on the right wing, at right back and at left back, three different positions across the 90 minutes, 
and he looked a threat and he looked he looked sort of uh, competent in all those positions says a lot about his ability as a player i mean he's only he's only 20 i think he turns 21 soon but he's got so much ability we're in safe hands with him whether he does play at right back or whether he does play at left back i thought um his pace his energy he lasted the game really well he never really looked tired he rarely gave the ball away. He obviously put in that brilliant cross for Joe Linton, which nearly made the difference. And when he did move to left back late on against Adiemi, the 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 Dortmund winger with bags of pace, who who got Lewis Hall booked in the first half, I thought he dealt with Adiemi really well. And it's not the first time we've seen him de- deal with a really sort of uh, tricky winger. I think in his debut for Newcastle in the Carabao Cup, his first start, he didn't give Grealish a kick against Arsenal over the weekend just gone. He was brilliant against Martinelli. Didn't really give him anything. He was the man of the match against Man United. Obviously created Almiron's goal there. And was I think he's pretty much been the man of the match in every single Newcastle game he started so far against Man City, Man United. Um, obviously he's played against Arsenal being brilliant and now against Dortmund. I think it's fair to say he was definitely our best player. Um, I think Jamal Lascelles as well. I, I, overall, it was a decent performance from him. But I think one thing I noted, which... I think just sums up his improvement under Howe is that on the ball, he looks more comfortable. There was one moment, I don't know if people remember this, but in the first half where it was a brilliant ball from Lascelles pinged from the centre-back position all the way to the other to the opposition box and it nearly got Joe Willigan behind and it was there was a moment where Joe Linton was actually close to getting on the end of a ball and didn't quite bring it down. But but I just thought Lascelles just passed to Willock. It was real, it was like a Fabian Char-esque sort of ball, 60-yard pass. That so nearly got Willigan behind, and that's not something we'd ever associate with Jamal Lascelles, um, but just shows how he's come on and he's he's improved part of his game under Howe. So maybe I'm clutching at straws there, giving positives for the likes of Jamal Lascelles' one pass. But again, I think it shows how far he's come that he's that he's looking at home in the Champions League against the likes of PSG and now Dortmund. Um, and the final thing is, even though we've had injuries, suspensions, hectic schedule, really tough fixtures, so many games. We've still competed. Like Dortmund have played really well over both games. I know we didn't score in either game. Sometimes you yeah, do have to call a spade a spade and say we struggled and we didn't really do enough, but we we still did compete. On another day, um, you know, if Trippier's if Trippier's is Trippier's set piece delivery doesn't hit the first man and they don't break away and score their second, or if, if Joe Linton doesn't miss that huge chance, or if Trippier's cut back from the short corner does find Wilson in the box and we make it 1-1, it could be a totally different game. It could be a totally different outlook on the group. So, um, so yeah, that's that's the thoughts there, really. I know some people wanted PSG to beat Milan so that our chances of finishing third had been boosted. I know if you finish third in the group, you, you get the Europa League, and some people thought it would have been better if PSG won and really like sunk Milan to the bottom of the group and therefore made it more likely for us to at least get Europa League if we didn't qualify. But at least Milan winning throws the group wide open and does give us a faint chance still of qualifying for the knockout stages. So, so yeah, a bad night for Newcastle. A lot of lessons to learn. Fine margins at such a high level. But at the end of the day, we've got a, a group of players to be proud of. I mean, today is actually the two-year anniversary of Eddie Howe taking the job. And I know sometimes people don't like this when you talk about perspective and saying how far we've come. And obviously, expectations do change over time. But at the end of the day, two years ago, Eddie Howe took over Newcastle at bottom of the Premier League. Two years on, we're in the Champions League and we're still competing, we're still in it, and we, we do have a chance of, of getting through still. Um, he's already become a Newcastle legend, I think, Eddie Howe. United the club, United the city, I think he's made the players fall in love with with the team and the club again. Um, and yeah, two years of Howe and, and plenty more to come. And Let's face it, we're just getting started. I know, I know expectations change and we're disappointed after starting the Champions League campaign so well that we've now 
got back-to-back defeats and we're now facing a real mountain to climb to qualify. But hopefully this is just the start, and I'm sure it will be. And like I say, we're not out of it yet. So, so yeah, there's just a few thoughts on Dortmund. And uh, next up, I'll just be previewing Saturday night's trip to Bournemouth. So we're back in Premier League action on Saturday night. It's an away trip to Bournemouth, live on Sky Sport at half past five. Um, before I get into projected lineups, team news, the latest on injuries, um, we've actually got Craig from Bournemouth Fan Channel up the cherries in all departments. And yeah, it's been really interesting to, to hear from Craig, given his thoughts from a Bournemouth perspective on Eddie Howe, on the job he's done, how how loved he is in Bournemouth, but also an insight into their season so far, their recent form, and uh, yeah, some of the strengths and weaknesses of their team. So, so yeah, it's really interesting to hear from Craig, and this is what he's had to say ahead of the game. Hello, and thank you for having us on. It's Craig here from UTC IAD at the Cherries and All Departments, the AFC Bournemouth blog. So, our form going into this game against Newcastle. Um, Fans are a bit happier. Um, The performances have picked up a little bit. The game against Burnley, um, to be fair, wasn't too bad at all. However, there was that narrow VAR decision um, right at the end of the game, which VAR took seven minutes, how you do that, um, over. So it could have easily resulted in a draw and not our first win of the season, which, to be honest, would have got Iriola's sack, I'm sure. I'm certain of that. Um, other than that, of course, we was beaten by Manchester City 6-1 last time out. Now, Man City, a game that we de- never expected to win, but at the same time, it was the manner of the performance, it was the mistakes we were making at the back, we wasn't picking up men, Iriola's performances so far in the league have been, and to be honest, you can take it from two angles. So prior to this, um, prior to the Brighton game, you know, I think that Iriola, it looked promising. You could see what he was trying to do. He's trying to get us to play in this passing style, the high press, um, keeping hold of the football. Now this is all well and good, but, it's well and good when you have got players like Arsenal and Man City. You can't play like Arsenal and Man City if you've got the players that AFC Bournemouth have got. And that's where he's coming a cropper. Um, in that Brighton game, you know, we took the lead, you know, very, very well taken goal. And it just all fell apart. And this is the main concern for me is that we was beaten 3-0 by Everton. A very, very poor performance. Iriola doesn't seem to like to deviate away from that. So there's a lot of question marks in my mind of whether or not, you know, he should stay in the job. I'm starting to think that maybe, even though I really like him as a man and as a as a manager, I think he'd be fine in Spain. It doesn't translate unless you have got the players to play in the style that Arsenal, Man City can do. You can't compete with those teams and you get found out by the teams at the bottom of the league like Everton. Um, So Newcastle though, um, just going on to yourselves, Eddie Howe, what a tremendous job he's doing. You know, he is the man that we credit. He's Sir Eddie Howe really down here. He's the man that we credit 
with getting us to this level in the first place. He's doing an outstanding job at Newcastle. Joe Linton looks a completely different player since Eddie Howe come in. Um, he's got the team working. He's got that quick pace of football. Um, you know, sometimes it's not always, you know, the most attractive football to watch, but it's good. It's effective. It's it's quality. Um, and we've got so much to be thankful to Eddie about here. Um, so I think he'll only take you on further and further. Will you, you know, match what you did last season? I think it's going to be difficult because I think it's going to take some time to have that continuous. But if you finish sixth or seventh this season, for example, you have to stick by Eddie because he will get you back there and he will turn it round and he will make sure that Newcastle are hard to beat. He will beat the top teams. You've already beaten a number of top teams this season. Champions League, you know, PSG set side, including Mbappe, of course, Arsenal as well. There's been lots of very, very good performances, very good results um, for Newcastle. So um, full credit to you guys. Um, I'm just a little bit jealous that Eddie's there. Um, I can see this panning out to be quite a tricky game for Newcastle. And the only reason why I say that is because I think it's Eddie's old stomping ground. Um, you know, there will be that determination by a few players. Of course, most of the players, you know, are, have changed since Eddie left. Um, you've got the likes of Solanke, Phil, Bill, um, but they are starting to now peter out, sadly. Um, of course, Adam Smith as well, Lloyd Kelly, those sort of players, you know, will know of Eddie and his tactics. And I think they'll be determined to actually get a result against Newcastle, put themselves in the shop window, um, especially from Lloyd Kelly's perspective, um, should the worst happen to ourselves. I think, though, Newcastle just got too much for us. And I think Iriola's time is coming to an end here. Um, it's a shame it's not worked out. I like the man. I want the man to do well. I think we should have stuck by Gary O'Neill because I think Gary has shown at Wolves that, again, not attractive football, you know, at times, but he gets the very, very best from these players. And we've lost that because we've tried to adapt to a style that we can't adapt to. You know, you you got Phil Bill. Um, he's He's playing too far back. Now, in a more advanced role, you know, we've already seen that sometimes this season where he can, you know, really have an effect. And, you know, that was evident in that Burnley game. Um, likewise, I think, you know, one of the games that, um, you know, well, I think a number of the games last season really is when Phil Bill and Solanke really combined. And that's what was so successful. We got a better squad this season than we had last season. Have we got a better manager? I think you, you could say that the managers are probably on par, but um, Iriola just doesn't want to transition away and we haven't got the players to play in his style. Um, and I think Gary O'Neill is still a very naive, you know, young manager, um, but he will get there. And really, I think we should have stuck with the young, naive manager that will make mistakes 
um, but correct those mistakes, which he did, um, rather than those that maybe, you know, somebody from who has never managed in the Premier League, um, I do fear for us this season. Um, and look forward to hearing your thoughts. And hopefully, fingers crossed, um, Eddie won't go too harshly on us. But yeah, I think you'll beat us. And I'm going to go 2 1. Um, it's going to be difficult for Eddie, but I think you'll still, you've got too much quality. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure as always. Yeah, so really interesting to hear from Craig there, getting a bit of an insight from a Bournemouth perspective. And obviously, great to hear the comments he made about Eddie Howe. And it's, it's clear, obviously, the job he did down in Bournemouth isn't lost on anyone. And I think for as long as they're in the Premier League, they always they always pay massive respect to Howe because without him, they wouldn't be here. So, yeah, really good to hear his thoughts on Newcastle, Bournemouth's current form, and the sort of problems they've got going into this game. So, so yeah, for us, it's the final game before the international break. Eddie Howe back at his former club and another long trip. I mean, okay, it's not it's not a trip to Germany, but it's the longest away trip in the Premier League for us, really. One end of the country to the other. And uh, also worth mentioning, Eddie Howe against Iriola, who I believe Eddie Howe studied while he had that break from the game a few years ago after he left Bournemouth. I know he studied Simeone at Atletico Madrid, but I think while he was in Spain, he also had time with Iriola, who was at the time at Real Vallecano another Spanish side, and we actually had a friendly against Rio Vallecano last December, where at the time Iriola was managing them, and he came to St. James's Park, and I think we beat them 2-1, and yeah, so I think Howe and Iriola have a lot of respect for each other, they maybe know each other's games a little bit better from the relationship they've struck up, but um, but yeah, Eddie Howe's sort of flying at the minute with Newcastle, obviously, certainly in the Premier League, whereas Iriola struggling at Bournemouth, and from what Craig said, had they had they not beaten Burnley in the last home game, had it, had it ended up 2 all, it sounds like he would have got the sack. Now, since then, they've lost in the Cup to Liverpool and they've also uh, been hammered 6-1 against Man City last weekend. So he is going into this game under quite a lot of pressure. And obviously, after this game, there's an international break. So dare I say, if we did get a big win here, he could be fighting for his job. And obviously, it's a huge game, not just for him as a manager, but for Bournemouth, who are currently third bottom, only got one win all season. So, so yeah, but for us, it's about keeping the momentum going in the Premier League, isn't it? I mean, really disappointing defeat in midweek against Dortmund. Um, I think Eddie Howe said the game maybe come, came a little bit too soon after Arsenal, where obviously last weekend we had to put in a massive effort for the full 90 to to, to beat Arsenal 1-0. It was a huge win, Arsenal's first defeat of the season. And um, another win in the league for us, another clean sheet. I mean, I've had a look back and obviously we'll all remember, after that 5-1 win over Aston Villa, we went on a three-game run of defeats against Man City, Liverpool and Brighton but since then in our last seven Premier League games we've won five and we've drawn two and in that time we've kept five clean sheets in that run of seven games um, scored 20 goals in the last seven Premier League games and the, the only two draws were from winning positions against Wolves and West Ham where on another day we could have won um, maybe the Wolves game we were a little bit fortunate and a point was about right but the point is we've, we've been on a really good run in the Premier League and obviously the cup as well. I mean, it, just a, just over a week ago, we were beating Man United with our second team, three <laughs> nil. So, so yeah, back to back defeats to Dortmund aside, we've been in really good form. Um, like I said, the same can't be said about Bournemouth, who've won once all season. Uh, only Sheffield United have conceded more. They've conceded thirty goals. So, um, sorry, Sheffield United have conceded thirty goals, but Bournemouth come next on twenty seven goals conceded. So yeah, they're they're shipping goals. They're struggling to score them. They've they've been in bad form in the league and. Yes, they beat Burnley in the last home game, but it sounds like 
if that VAR decision late on went against him, it would have been a draw and that would have been the end of Iriola. So, yeah, a lot of pressure on him. Um, but on the flip side, this is a Newcastle team who, yes, we're in great form in the Premier League, but I think fatigue is kicking in a little bit. It's been such a hectic schedule with cup games, Premier League games, Champions League games. So injuries really are racking up. I mean, the first thing to mention for this game, Bruno picked up his fifth yellow card of the season against Arsenal last weekend. So he's serving a one-game ban for this. There'll be no Bruno. I mean, it's worth mentioning before I get to the injuries that we haven't heard from Eddie Howe yet at the time of recording. But Sven Botman, I would expect to still be out with a knee injury. Um, Hopefully we'll get an update on that and what the problem is because... It seems that it hasn't been diagnosed yet, which is a bit of an ongoing concern. But but yeah, no Sven Botman, you would think. Dan Burns out with a back injury for a couple of months. Matt Targut's just had surgery on his hamstring. He's out for three months, Eddie Howe reckons. Um, he's not used much these days, but another injury. I think Javier Manquillo's got a groin injury. We all know Sandro Tonali suspended until August next year. Elliot Anderson out for, I think, another five or six weeks with a back injury. Jacob Murphy's dislocated shoulder. Alexander Rizak, I think he was spotted in, I think, in some sort of light training earlier this week before the Dortmund game. But I'd be surprised if he's back for this one. I think he's not going to be called up with the Sweden squad, so I would think he'll uh, he'll be uh, sort of we won't take any risks with him, and he'll be back after the international break. So there's all those guys, and there's also a bit of uh, doubt around Callum Wilson. Again, Eddie Howe will say more in his press conference on Friday morning, but he was taken off at half time against Dortmund with a, a tight hamstring which is always a bit sort of uh, alarming for us. I think Wilson's got a history with hamstring injuries. and I, I would be surprised, put it this way, if Eddie Howe took a risk on Wilson at the weekend. Obviously, we're managing Isaac's fitness. We've only got two senior strikers on our books at the minute. We couldn't afford for Wilson to get a serious hamstring injury, which could potentially rule him out until the new year. The, the hamstring injuries are like that. So we've got to be careful with Wilson. And I think with Isaac only just coming back from injury, with Wilson about to have an international break, which could be come at a perfect time for him to recover. I'd be surprised if we risked Wilson. So we may not have a recognised striker fit for this weekend. I've obviously mentioned there Bruno suspended. And then a lot of a lot of the players who played on Tuesday night might have to go again uh, at Bournemouth. So, so yeah, that's the injury situation. Again, it could change based on what Eddie Howe has to say on Friday. So, but yeah, just to finish off, I mean, predicted lineups. I think... One thing I thought I'd do here is give a predicted lineup based on Callum Wilson being past fit and a predicted lineup based on him not being fit for the game, which I can't lie, I'm, I'm more inclined to say he won't be fit, but we'll have to see. Um, so, yeah, if Callum Wilson is fit, I think we could probably, I mean, I, w- I would fully expect to see Pope in goal. I think the full-backs will be Trippier and Livramento. Um, again, this is based on Wilson being fit. Who knows if Trippier will play at left-back or right-back, I think offensively Trippier is way more effective on the right because he links up with Almiron, Longstaff those three play a lot of triangles and interchange but also Trippier's right foot delivery crosses into the box can be utilised far more easily on the right but that being said we all saw Livermento's quality with these crosses into the box at Dortmund I mean put it on a plate for Joe Linton um, and could have easily could have easily been the key moment there for us to equalise so I think if it's Livermento and Trippier it's hard to say who will play on the left who will play on the right but but yeah Based on based on Wilson playing, I think it'll be Pope, uh, Livermento, Lascelles, Shaw, and Trippier. I think the midfield could be Longstaff, Joe Linton. Joe Linton obviously tends to play on the left or on the left wing, but I think he could be in the holding role this week with Bruno out. So Longstaff, Joe Linton, and Lewis Hall. Lewis Hall's obviously so versatile. I think he could play as a left-sided centre midfielder. Was also taken off at half-time in midweek on a booking. So I think we'll see Lewis Hall. And then... 
a front three of Amaron, Wilson and Gordon. Obviously, Amron and Gordon both were uh, came on off the bench in midweek. I think they probably emptied the tank against Arsenal, so they were only fit enough to come off the bench. So, so yeah, that would be my team if Wilson is fit. But my team, if Wilson isn't fit, I think would be something like this. So, Pope, Trippier, Lascelles, Shaw and Lewis Hall. That would be my defence. And I'll kind of explain why in a second. So, I would have Hall at left back there, not Trippier or Livramento. Then it could be a midfield of Longstaff, Joe Linton and Willock on the left. And then a front three of Livramento on the wing, Gordon as a sort of false nine and Almiron on the left. Now, I guess the difference to that second team there, based on Wilson not being fit, is that... If Wilson isn't fit, we'll have to play Gordon as a as a sort of false nine up top. Now, if Gordon has to play up top and we haven't got any more fit wingers, you might have to move Livramento to the right, which is where he started against Dortmund. If Livramento is there playing on the right, Lewis Hall will have to come in at fullback, and then that creates a space in midfield, which would be filled by Joe Willock. But obviously, Joe Willock played in midweek. Is he ready to start two games in a week after not long sort of recovering? fully from an Achilles injury and sort of that and a hamstring injury, I think it meant he, he hadn't started for, for six months in total. So he's not long come back and can he play twice in a week? I think ideally not, but with Anderson Tonali out, with Bruno banned for this one, we haven't got many options in midfield. So so yeah, if Wilson is out and that means Livermento playing on the wing with Gordon up, up front as a sort of fill-in striker, we could see Lewis Hall play at full-back. We haven't really got any other options with Burn and Target. Um, injured and we could again on top of that see Willock play again but but yeah a lot to take in there but they're they're kind of two teams that I think are possible based on Wilson either being fit or Wilson not being fit but yeah we don't have many options to rotate at the minute with with obviously so many injuries Bruno suspended Tonali suspended so yeah it's going to just have to be one more big effort really from Newcastle before the international break we've so far this season we've been brilliant at coming through um, adversity I would say I think it maybe caught up with us a little bit at Dortmund, um, which was which was obviously a difficult one to take. But you know Newcastle have generally been brilliant and uh, this season, and, and and we've come through adversity well. So yeah, I'm hoping for one one more big effort against Bournemouth. Hopefully, with obviously Aston Villa playing Fulham, Liverpool are at home to Brentford. I think Spurs are away at Wolves. So uh, Arsenal are at home to Burnley. There's a lot of teams around the top four who've got winnable games this weekend. Um, I know Brighton have also got Sheffield United. So there's a lot of winnable games for the teams around the top four, around the top six. So hopefully we can keep the momentum going, build on that win over Arsenal and, yeah, get back to winning ways after a defeat in midweek to Dortmund. So, yeah, thanks, everyone, for listening. Ed will be back, our host. Ed will be back next week. He's back from holiday. So it won't just be me on the next podcast. But, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Make sure you give us a follow on Twitter, NUFC Blog, Co UK or NUFC Blogcast. And yeah, we'll see you on the next episode. So thanks for listening, guys. See you later. Sports Social Podcast Network.